In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We have another great parable this morning, and since all of us have really short attention spans, I'm going to summarize the parable again for you to make sure we, we understand it. So in the parable today, we have a king who has planned a feast in honor of his son's wedding. The son makes a guest list, and the king sends out all these invitations. No one responds, right? Obviously, the young people of our Lord's generation were very much like the young people today. And we can't get straight answers from any of them or anything that they, you know, we ask them they want to do. They're always waiting to see if there's a better invitation or a better opportunity that will be more fun, right? Well, the king sends out messengers to go and invite these people personally to come. And they all come back with excuses. And others mistreat the servants, and some even kill the servants. So the king has all of those guests executed, and he burns their city to ruins. Now he needs to fill the feast with guests. So the king sends his servants into the streets and tells them to invite anyone they can find, and then the dining hall is filled up. But one person comes in, and he isn't dressed for the occasion. He doesn't have a wedding garment, so the king throws him out. And then Christ gives the moral of the story. He says, many are invited, but few are chosen. Several years ago, when Father Mark and I were in seminary, the two of us would wake up early on Sunday morning, around three in the morning, and we would bake all of these loaves of bread and cinnamon rolls and cookies and things like that, and we would take them all to a homeless shelter that was in downtown New Orleans, where men would line up in the morning waiting to get into the shelter. And so we would go down the line and we would hand out food and try to have a conversation with them Um, And if we could, try to invite them to Mass, because the church we were going to Mass at was right across the street from the shelter. But one Sunday, this was the reading, and Father Mark read out that passage to them and asked what they thought about it. And immediately, one man spoke up. He said, I don't like that story. And you could see Father Mark just, like, deflated in the moment and, and dismayed. He didn't know how to respond. So I asked, well, what do you not like about it? And he said, well, you have this rich man who throws a party, but none of his friends wanted to go. So he went out and told all the poor folk that they could come to the party instead, but one man didn't have any nice clothes to wear. So he kicked him out. And I admit that Father Mark and I had no idea how to respond to that retelling of the parable. Neither of us have ever heard of it that way, but eventually we scrambled to figure out how to respond. And we tried to explain what I believe our Lord's point is, the spiritual sense of this parable. You see, sacramentally, all of us are given a wedding garment of sort at our baptism. Our soul is made pure and white and cleansed from sin. And to symbolize this, we were each given a literal white garment, which maybe you still have in a keepsake box or somewhere in your house. And when that garment is given to us, the priest commands us, even as a baby, the priest commands us, Bring that garment unstained to judgment. And we have different ways of keeping that garment clean. We can grow in virtue. We can go to confession. We can receive the sacraments. All of us are invited to this banquet of heaven, but we have to prepare ourselves to go there. So the point of the parable is that God does truly invite everyone. Now, he could just go out and invite those that are more richly blessed, But instead, he gives every single one of us a chance. But because we're invited, despite our sinful state, 
Just because we're invited doesn't mean that God accepts us as we are. Right? That's usually the line you hear, right? Jesus will accept me just as I am, right? If you love me, you're going to accept me just as I am and accept the things that I do, right? That people usually try to say. No, we are expected to receive the invitation from Christ, but then we have to prepare ourselves to meet him. Yet the culture of our day really opposes any notion that any sort of interior conversion is necessary anymore. And we don't want a religion that will make us feel bad, right? We want it to make us feel happy. We want a religion that doesn't ask us to change. But St. Augustine teaches us if you believe what you like in the gospel and you reject what you don't like, then it's not the gospel you believe but yourself. Religion, by its very nature, is meant to feel different from the world because the world is opposed to God. We as Christians are meant to actively strive to convert our hearts away from sin, away from the world, and toward the gospel, to accept the invitation of Christ and then prepare our souls to receive him. Think for a moment about the temple in the Old Covenant. Everything in the temple was holy. The priests were holy, the veils were holy, the altar was holy, the little spoons that they had to use for various parts of the liturgy, those were holy. Everything was holy. And it all surrounded what? The Ark of the Covenant, which contained the tablets of the law, the Ten Commandments. So the holy protected and preserved the ethical, how we were meant to live. We see a similar structure in the book of Leviticus. And most people get to Leviticus and they just start flipping because they don't want to read through all those laws about sacrifice and how you shouldn't eat pork, etc. But at the exact center of Leviticus is the verse, love your neighbor as yourself. So again, we see the sacred, the sacrificial, the, the holy, protecting and preserving the ethical. Now, we in our modern culture have rejected the sacred entirely, right? We get annoyed because the music at Mass doesn't sound like the radio. We have to make all sorts of gestures and responses that seem foreign to our normal vocabulary. Now we build churches that have white walls, no images of the saints, all in the name of simplicity. And what do we have to show for it? We have the lowest percentage of Catholics who attend Sunday Mass regularly in history. And of those, we have the lowest numbers of Catholics in history who believe in the dogma of the Holy Eucharist, which the Second Vatican Council infallibly taught is the source and summit of the Christian life, right? So there's a problem. Yes, Christ extends the invitation to all of us but he's not inviting us to bring the world in with us, right? He's inviting us out of the world, which means we're going to be invited to leave something behind, to leave our culture, our vices, our attachments, to leave the clothes of our fallen state behind, and to instead accept Jesus Christ and his church, and to clothe ourselves in virtue, in holiness, in truth. Christ is telling us clearly this morning that if your religion isn't calling you to conversion, if it isn't calling you to change something about yourself, then it's probably the wrong religion. If your Jesus sounds like some politician on the news or some social worker, then he probably isn't Jesus. 
No, on the contrary, Christians need a restoration of the sacred precisely because we are meant to be set apart. In the words of G.K. Chesterton, we do not need a church that will move with the world, but a church that will move the world. Now, all of us have been given an incredible opportunity by being invited into the fold of, the, of, the fold of Christ, which is the church. We have been given the means of holiness, We've been endowed with the grace of the Holy Spirit by our baptism, and we have been gathered together right now, together, in this Holy Mass, which is the wedding banquet of Christ and his spouse, the Church. How could you come here this morning without a wedding garment? That is, how could anyone receive this invitation from the Lord and pretend that nothing would be expected of you? Indeed, many are called but few are chosen. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.